I want to talk with you about something I'm feeling. And by the way, if you happen to be tuning in, I, I just want to tell you who I am. I'm Pastor Chuck Boer, and I'm the senior pastor of this church that I love. Um, but right now, uh, I'm feeling uh, like we're in the midst of an apocalyptic moment. Um, I feel like a little apocalyptic, but maybe even more than that, uh, with what's occurring in the world now and what happened in our nation today. Um, we're seeing things happen that I never thought would, and I even would say I didn't think could. Uh, what occurred? What's going on? How people are acting? How people are reacting to it? See, I've studied the Word, and I know we're living in the last days, and I know what's coming in the last days, and I can study the Word enough and get enough from it, and so could you, to know what it's going to be like. But now that much of it's happening, or on the beginning of occurring, I got to be honest, I feel like it's, it's worse than I thought it would be. It's sadder than I thought it would be. Uh, it's gone deep into the hearts of people in a way I didn't think could. And so uh, I want to tell you that what I see happening right now to me is shocking. Um, what's occurring and how people are acting and reacting to it. Our capital was taken. Our senators were driven from their chambers. Some had to hide in tunnels. And uh, I never thought that could happen. There are movies about it. We've watched them. They're science fiction movies. And, and they didn't seem like they even had the, any ability to have anything that would be in the realm of possibility. But what didn't seem possible occurred today. And I think there's people in different nations around the world who look and say, is this the United States that we heard about? Is this the land of liberty and the home of the free? Is this the country that was supposed to lead the world in justice? Jesus said that that would happen, though. One of the signs that Jesus warned would happen in the last days is that lawlessness would increase. Lawlessness would increase. By the way, and that happened not just today, but it's happened a lot lately. And people cheered as lawlessness was enacted and done. Lawlessness would increase, and because of that, Jesus said, people's love would grow cold. It was uh, in Matthew chapter 24, he's talking about the last days, and he says this, because lawlessness has increased, most people's love will, will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be safe. So Jesus told us that, that when lawlessness begins to be pushed out and, and take over, that people's hearts will grow hard and their love will become cold. And I want to say something as a Christian, please don't let that be you. Maybe the good news in that verse is he, he said most people, not all people, Christians should always be filled with love. Maybe right now with what's occurring, you're, you're feeling a sense of fear. And God doesn't want you to feel fear. He wants you to be filled with faith. Maybe because you're angry, you're tempted to give in to hatred. But God wants you to be someone who is overwhelmed with love. And so I'm hoping that for you. I really am hoping that for you. And I'm hoping it for this nation. 
And so as we get ready to begin, I want to talk in a moment about what Jesus says matters most in a time like this. Uh, by the way, Jesus said in the end, this will be all that matters. These things might surprise you, but they're more needed than ever. Jesus said when the storm hits and the torrential rain bursts hard and everything else around you starts to fall apart, that you'll stand strong. You'll weather the storm. You'll conquer the moment. You'll overcome the challenge. And Jesus said, but to have that happen, you have to have what we're going to talk about tonight be true in you and for you. These things matter more than ever. They matter in good times. They are a necessity in times like this. So I want to start by praying for our country. And then I want to go into a time of teaching that, again, I think is more necessary than you know. And I pray and pray you don't tune out. But let's start. Let's do this together. Let's pray for our nation right now. Father, I want to pray for the United States, a country I do love, a place I've cherished living in. And uh, Lord, I pray right now for our country. I pray for the division to be healed that's within it. I pray that we would understand that one of the foundations of democracy is an ability to disagree and take opposite sides and yet still come together and not, not be driven apart. I pray that we would know that no matter what view we take, that in the end as Christians, those who are Christians, the only view that will end up mattering most in, of all is our view that Lord Jesus, that you're lifted up and we are uh, have an allegiance to you and follow you. Lord, I want to pray for my grandchildren that have to watch what's happening. I want to pray for this country not to be the country that friends of mine and other nations are looking at and seeing. And they're looking at what's going on and wondering, what, what happened? How could this occur there in the United States? So Lord, even though I know we're in the last days, I'm praying for peace to come, for care to be shown, for mercy and justice to triumph. And I'm praying that all of us who are believers will rise up, shine for you, and speak for you, and show love in your name. May we understand the power of being peacemakers so that we will be called the children of God and it'll be true for us. So I pray right now, Lord, what we're about to talk about is going to allow each of us to influence the area of the world we're in in a way that it would bring your righteousness and your kingdom to come here. And may that actually begin to ripple out and affect more people than we can imagine. So may we in this season, may we in this time, be 24-7 Christians who really truly love you and live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm feeling a little apocalyptic right now, and I want to talk to you about why. COVID has hit not just close to home, it's hit right in our home. Uh, a lot of people have been infected, and that has had a huge effect on, on so many of us. A lot of people have tested positive to COVID, and then many, many, many more have been exposed. And so because of that, um, I'm having to do things differently. 
Uh, normally, I'd have a big team of people with us. We'd all stay socially distanced and safe to make moments like this happen. But we can't do that now. So I'm in this big place pretty much all alone. And it's a weird feeling. But it's got me thinking. It, it sobered my mind. And I want you to think about that with me. Because in moments like this, what is it that matters most? And in the times that are coming, whether we get a relief period in this season before the next big test or not, what will matter most to you? So it's what matters most now and what will matter most then. Because the Bible's clear. The Bible's clear that a persecution is coming upon Christians that will be worldwide. The Bible's clear a biblical pandemic's going to hit that will actually take the lives of one quarter of the world's population. And in those days and in that time, which is coming upon us, we're going to have to go underground. We're not going to live the same. We're not going to meet the same. Certainly not like we did a year ago or two years ago. And not even how we are right now in this season. So what matters in those moments? And in the coming weeks, I want to talk about that. I want us to dig into that. I want us to solidify that in our minds and have that deep within our hearts. Years ago, there was a pastor named Chuck Smith who was a pastor that we used to all go listen to back in the 70s and 80s. Pastor Chuck of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, taught us about the last days. He told us about the coming Antichrist, the coming persecution, the things that would happen during the tribulation. And he used to put out these things called cassette tapes. And here's what's so wild. Those tapes were like gold. They were like gold to us. Why? Because we knew that when the time of testing came, that would be a way for us to be able to smuggle the tapes around and begin to get good biblical teaching when we would need it. Again, in the times of challenge, testing, and persecution. I don't think it's going to be a cassette you need. I think it's going to be a message like this. I, uh, I don't foresee in the near future and the even distant future that the internet can be completely shut down. So I want to say I'm talking to you now wherever you are and whenever you hear this. It may be very, very current, but it may be in the distant future. But no matter who you are, I want you to know this message for you matters now whenever you hear it, wherever you hear it. And that's what we're going to be talking about. That's what we're going to be digging into. Jesus warned us when the calamity came and the crisis occurred that we need to be ready. And in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said these words. He said this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and, look at what it says, acts on them, may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came. And the winds blew and slammed against that house, yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. It didn't fall. When the hard time comes, the storm rages against you. Jesus said you will stand strong and be strong if you have in place the very things I'm going to talk to you about. And he said, I want you to know there will come times like that. But you will not only weather the storm, you'll overcome the storm that you're in. But he warned not everyone will. And he said this, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them, notice that again, doesn't take action on it, 
will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the wind blew and slammed against the house, and it fell. And great was its fall. Great was its fall. See, I don't want you to fall. I don't want you going down in disaster. I don't want you to be overcome by whatever circumstances you're in. Whether you're hearing this in the current time or in the time to come, I want you to know what will cause you to stand strong and weather the storm. This is what matters most. This is what was on some of those cassette tapes that we had to hold on to back then because we knew. We knew when the times came, the times changed, that we needed to be ready. We needed to be resilient. We needed to overcome. So I want you to think about that. Uh, there's a, a promise in the Bible I think that almost all of you could, could share. I, you all probably all know this. So if I said these words, you will know the truth and the truth will well, how does it end? Uh, if you have an ability to go to the chat, put in there what it is. Because I think almost everybody knows that promise. You will know the truth and the truth will what? Well, it sets you free. That's what Jesus said. You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. So if that promise is true, why are so many people living in bondage? Why are so many people not able to overcome a sinful habit? Why are so many people filled with anxiety and worry? Why is it that many people are in bondage to anger? Why are so many people not free? Well, the promise is true, so what's going on? And that brings us to a vital truth you can never forget. And it's this. To have the scriptural promises be true for you, you must take them in context. Matter of fact, the Bible always needs to be taken in context. You shouldn't just pull something out and not know how it fits into everything else the Bible teaches and tells us. So what we're going to talk about right now is how to have that promise true for you and how you can be someone. When the storm hits, you won't fall. You won't fall down and you won't fall apart. How can you have that be true for you? So let's go to the verse that I was talking about. It's in John 8, 31 and 32, where Jesus says these words. Jesus said, it goes, so Jesus was saying to those who had believed in him, notice it's only for those who believe in him, if, in other words, you have a choice, if, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So notice the context. Notice how the promise comes. Number one, uh, he said, if you've got to make a choice, what's the choice you make? You make a choice to be believe in him and to continue in his word. The word continue means to consistently be in the word, studying the word, but it also means living out what the word says. Remember, Jesus said, he who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be the wise man who will not fall and will not fall apart. So you and I need to adhere to the word. We need to faithfully live by the word. And then we need to understand something else. That promise is not for everyone. The promise is only for those who truly believe in Jesus, who are truly disciples of Christ. So the promise is true 
to the people it's made to. But the promise is only made to those who are disciples of Christ. By the way, salvation is only promised to those who are disciples of Christ that know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. So what does it mean to be a disciple? In other words, if that promise is true and it's only for disciples then what does it mean to be a disciple? Well, one of the places we discover the meaning of discipleship is in Matthew chapter 10, where Jesus defines what a disciple is. And he says this in Matthew 10, 24 and 25. He said, a disciple is not above his teacher nor a slave above his master. It is enough. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and the slave like his master. See, two things come out of that. I I think you see, but don't miss it. One is a disciple is someone who has Jesus as the Lord of their life. And a disciple is someone who wants to be like Jesus. Lordship and likeness. Lordship and likeness. That is a big part, the biggest part of the definition of a disciple. That Jesus is Lord and your goal is to be like him. Jesus said that is enough. We don't need anything more than that in life. That's why what I'm telling you, when the persecution hits, what will matter, what will be enough for you to make it through is he's Lord of your life and that you seek to him in everything you do and everything you say in the way that you live, the way you act, and that you take action on what he tells you to do. And so that's what you and I need to understand. If Jesus is Lord, then what you and I do is we do everything he tells us to do. That's the definition of lordship, that we're not above him, he's above us. And whenever he tells us to do something, we act on the words he says. We take action on them, and we act according to that word. See, Jesus asked a really important question in Luke 6, 46. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? See, lots of people say that they're Christians. They say he's their Lord, but then they don't do what he says. And Jesus said, why do you think that's okay? Why would you think that would work? Why would you even hold to something that's that big a lie? So I want you to look at Luke 6, uh, 46 to 49 in context with me. And notice it's the same truth, but notice how Jesus brings it out here. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Everyone, notice everyone who comes to me and hears my word and acts on them. I will show you whom he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep, laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood occurred and the torrent burst against the house, it could not shake it because it had been well built. See, when the torrent burst, the calamity came, the storm hit, the torrent, the torrential moment happened. He said, you know what? You couldn't be shaken. In a time like this and in a time to come, when the persecution comes and the biblical pandemic hits, what will matter most, all that will matter in that moment, is are you truly a disciple of Christ? And that's why I'm telling you, you and I need to hold on to this truth and live it now and live it then. Because Jesus warned this in in verse 49. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly, listen to that again. The one who's heard and not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it and immediately collapsed. 
and the ruin of the house was great. I think the biggest reason I have such a passion for this now is I don't want that to happen to you. I don't want it to happen to you as someone I care for, someone I love. You might say, Chuck, you don't even know me, but there's something in my heart where I just want this for you so bad. And so no matter when you hear this or where you hear this, please listen to what Jesus said. If you continue in his word, you are his disciple and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And no matter what's occurring in our life, no matter what's happening in the world, you will find what is enough is that you love the Lord and you're like the Lord. And so a disciple is one who has Jesus as Lord and does what he says. And our goal, by the way, should be to be like Jesus. So as we do what he says, we'll become more and more like him. Sad to say, I think that if I were to actually poll uh, an incredible number of Christians, I'm going to say committed Christians that said, what is your number one goal in life? I'm not so sure they're going to say it's to be like Christ. But that's the goal, is to have him as Lord of your life and to be like him. To be like him. So I want to be a husband the way Jesus would be a husband to my wife, Pam. I want to be a father the way Jesus would be a father to my sons. I want to be a grandfather the way Jesus would be a grandfather to my grandchildren. I want to be a pastor and pastor the church just the way Jesus would if he were in my place, even more if I were, were standing in, in his name. And so you and I need to have that, that two things be true of us, that he's Lord of our life and and that we want to be like him. And then we're going to be his disciples. And if we're his disciples and continue in his word, we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free, no matter what's happening in the world around us. See, it's in obeying that we come to the knowledge of the truth. Please don't miss that. That's what the Bible teaches consistently throughout Scripture. It is in the doing that we know. It is in the obeying that we experience the Lord and know the truth. See, you can't know what fasting is like if you don't fast. You can't know the joy of the tithe if you don't tithe. You can't know the wonder of prayer if you don't pray. See, it's in praying that I understand the wonder of prayer. It's in tithing I understand the joy of the tithe. It's it's in the, the whole idea that I would actually live out what he says, that I begin to experience it. And then I get to see why Jesus said it works, why it's true. And all the promises of scripture become mine, not just in head knowledge, even more in heart knowledge. And Jesus wants you and I to experience that. And then he promises something else. When you and I do that, our faith gets stronger. Our faith increases and our faith deepens, and we have a strong foundation that we live on, one that cannot be shaken by the torrents of the time, one that cannot be taken down by the circumstances of the moment or of the season. Jesus said, you know what? In obeying, you understand. In obeying, you experience. And in obeying, obeying, your faith grows, and your faith gets stronger. You see, the apostles actually one time came to Jesus and said, Lord, increase our faith. Lord, increase our faith. And, and Jesus talked to them about that. In Luke 17, 5, it says, The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said this, If you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Now, now Jesus said a mustard seed faith. Mustard seeds are small. 
They're almost impossible to see. If I said right now I have one, which I don't, (laughs) you couldn't see it. But he said, even if you have that amount of faith, you could uproot a mulberry tree and see great things occur. You could see something incredible happen just with a little faith. But you got to act on that faith. So interestingly, Jesus actually taught this, that it gets bigger and more profound. It becomes more amazing the more you practice it because it starts with uprooting mulberry trees and it goes to moving mountains. And increasing faith does that. So in Luke 17, Jesus begins to define what faith is like. He said, you'll uproot mulberry trees. In Matthew 17, he says these words. He says, then his disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not drive it out? Why could we not cast out this demon? And he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there. And it'll move. And nothing will be impossible to you. Nothing will be impossible to you. Think about that. Jesus said the most powerful demon will tremble and flee if you have mustard seed faith. Mountains will move if you have mustard seed faith. Mulberry trees will be uprooted and cast in the sea if you have mustard seed faith. His point is that as you begin to live a life of faith, take an action based on your faith, having an active faith, which by the way, faith in and of itself can't be passive. He said, you will see it grow and you'll experience more and more incredible things will happen in your life. And in the time of testing, that's what will make all the difference. That's what will matter most. Uh, There's a promise in Jeremiah 33, 3, where God says this, call to me and I will answer you. And I will show you or tell you, it's the Hebrew word could be either one. I will show you great and mighty things you do not know. Or I will tell you great and mighty things you do not know. God says, you call to me. You actually come to me. You begin to live this out. And you're going to live the life of the great and the mighty thing that happens in your life, even in tough times, even when the storm hits, even when the torrent comes. That's what the Lord promises. That's what the Lord promises. So what I want you to think about is then why are so few people experiencing what should be the norm of our Christian faith? Uh, Some years ago, I was preaching in a smaller community and uh, I was talking on the great things that God does in our life, how God teaches you, guides you, speaks to you, uh, does uh, mountain moving experiences and uprooting of the mulberry tree in your life. And after it was over, I was standing there and a group of people came up to talk to me. And one was a guy I could see was getting kind of agitated. And I said, hey, are you okay? And he said, well, my name's Greg. And Pastor Chuck, I don't want to be disrespectful, but um, I have to ask you, is what you said true? I mean, is it really true? And I was just about to answer him when the man standing behind him, he goes, hey, Greg, Greg, you know me. And, and Greg said, I do. And, and he introduced himself. He said, my name's Tom. He said, Pastor Chuck, I want to tell you, I was standing here because I wanted to say this to you. Please keep preaching this. Please keep teaching this. People need to hear it. And then he looked right at Greg. He said, Greg, let me tell you what changed my life. And, and Tom is an egg rancher. And what happened is he had been a Christian for years, but he wasn't experiencing the great and mighty thing. He wasn't experiencing the leading of God, but he wanted to. And another friend of mine taught him this. He said, I want you to do this. 
Tom, I want you to pray and say, God, speak to me. But then whatever God tells you to do, you got to do. So it was a Saturday night. Tom's sitting at his desk. He's got his journal out. He's been reading the word. And he says, Lord, speak to me. And a thought comes in his mind, take eggs to church. He said, okay, I'm an egg rancher. That's not hard to do. But I mean, God, is that you? And and he just kind of sat there and nothing else came. But he thought, you know what? I said I would do whatever God told me to do. I'm going to do it. So he went to bed that night, got up that morning. The family's getting in the car to head to church. And, and he's actually in the car about to back out. And then he goes, no, 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 no. And he goes running in the house and comes back out with a bunch of cartons of eggs. And his wife said, Tom, what are you doing? And he said, I think God told me to bring eggs to church. She said, Okay. So they drive to church. He gets this big stack of eggs. He's walking towards the church. The first service got out. People are coming out. And he just thought, Lord, what do I do with these? Well, I'll just give them away. And he sees the first person said, hey, I think God wants you to have these. And he hands him a carton of eggs. Then another person comes. He said, I think God wants you to have these. Next carton of eggs. And then another man comes. Tom looked at him and said, hey, I I think God wants you to have these. And the guy said, Tom, um, I know it's your business, but I, I hate eggs. <laughs> I don't want eggs. And, and Tom looked at him, and now it was strong. He said, I think God wants you to have these. Do whatever you want. And he hands in the eggs, and the guy goes, okay. And he's walking towards his car to get in the car, uh, to get into his car. And another car had pulled up to go for the person to go in the service. And she opens the door and gets out. And Tom thought, okay. And he said, excuse me. He said, I think God wants you to have these. And he hands her a carton of eggs. And she screamed. She screams. And she said, do you know who I am? And he said, no, I, I don't know who you are. And she said, well, I teach in the high school here. And uh, a bunch of the students in my class go to this church. And, and they've been giving me a hard time and arguing with me because I'm an atheist. So I decided this morning I was going to get up and prove to them there was no God. And so when I got ready to get in my car, I said this. I said, God, if you're real, have someone today hand me a carton of eggs. <laughs> Is that wild or what? And Tom said, that's what happened in that moment. He said, I began to hear of God doing great and mighty things in my life. An atheist teacher now had to wrestle with the fact that there is a God. Why? Because she prayed that prayer that I had experienced the answer to. And I became the answer to her prayers. So then he began to pray that and pray that and pray that. And his business began to grow and God began to bless. And now today, he has egg ranches in the Middle East. Because over the course of time, God led him to go to places that needed the eggs and needed the food and needed the jobs. But it was his way of bringing the message of Jesus into Islamic controlled areas in the Middle East and being welcomed in where missionaries could not freely go. Tom could freely go. And he was able to share Christ there and was leading people to the Lord over and over and over again. And he told me and he told Greg, I am living that life. I'm living the life of the great and mighty thing. I'm living the life of God showing and telling me things that are beyond me. I'm seeing mountains move and mulberry trees uprooted. And Jesus said this, how does that happen? Well, you must be a disciple. You must continue in his word. You must act on what he says. And then you'll know the truth. You'll know it. And you'll know how true the truth is. And it will, it will set you free. 
It will set you free. By the way, that's true whenever you're watching this, wherever you're watching this. It'll be true in times that are easy. It'll be very, very true when the persecution comes and a biblical pandemic hits in the last days we're living in. See, God, God is the one who does this. God is the one who wants you to experience life like this. I heard about a couple that was doing ministry in Iraq. And it was during a time where Christians were being threatened and persecuted and even imprisoned. By the way, that's happening right now. I don't know if you know that. We act like sometimes that, you know, the, the persecution we're getting here is bad. Uh, there are places right now where Christians are being kidnapped, they're being arrested, and they're being killed for being Christians. And so what happened is this couple was doing ministry and they decided to travel up into a northern area of Iraq that would be very, very dangerous to be a Christian. And their goal was to go to a church there and, and smuggle Bibles to them because they wanted them so badly. And so they got into this little village town that they were in, ready to go and find the church. And the husband said to his wife, he said, you need to be very, very careful. We can't expose them. We can't be caught, but even more, we can't expose them. And she said, okay. He said, so I need you just to kind of lay low. I need you to be careful uh, while I go into the bank and get some money that we can give this church. So he went into the bank to get the money. And when he came out, his wife wasn't in the car. And he thought, oh, no, no, no. I know what she's going to do. I know her. She's going to go. She's going to start witnessing. I told her to be quiet. I told her to lay low. And he listened and he heard her voice inside a market. And he walked across the street, and the closer he got, the more his, his stomach began to churn inside because he could hear her witnessing. He could hear her talking about Jesus freely. And when he walked in, there was a group of people gathered around her. And he thought, no, no, no. On the way in, he had seen a mullah, an Islamic holy man, sitting by the door. And he knew that man could hear, and he knew that man could report them. And he knew that man could have them arrested or kidnapped. He knew that man could destroy the church. And he thought, she doesn't even know he's out there. She doesn't even know he's listening. And he went inside and he walked up and he said, come on, we got to go. And she said, no, 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 no. They want to hear. And they were all like, yeah, we have questions we want to hear. And he said, no, we've got to go. And he drug her out and he went by the mullah trying not to make eye contact. And they got her in the car. And she looked at him and said, I am so ashamed of you. I'm so ashamed of you. Those people want to hear about Jesus. And he said, don't you realize we could go to prison? Don't you realize worse that could happen? And she said, well, what does Jesus want us to do? How would Jesus want us to act? And he felt embarrassed and he said, okay. And he thought, if I'm going to go down big, I'm going to go down big. And he went out to the car, he opened the trunk, he got out some Bibles and thought, I'll go give them Bibles. I mean, if I'm going to get busted, I want to get busted the right way. So he walked back into the market. The group was still standing there discussing what they had heard. And he said, I want to give you something. And he handed each one of them a Bible. And when he was done, he had one left over. And as he was walking out the door, the mullah was sitting there and he thought, okay. And he looked at the mullah and said, I think God wants me to give this to you. And the mullah, this older holy man, starts to cry. And he said, last night I had a dream. And in my dream, Jesus appeared to me and said that today, if I came and sat here, a man would hand me the words of life. And he ended up leading that mullah to the Lord. The mullah began to join that underground hidden church. 
the great and mighty things happen. Let me ask you this question. Is that happening for you? Is that happening to me? And I want to tell you the answer. Yeah, it is. I'm experiencing God in that way. Not every moment, but not irregularly, regularly. I'm beginning to experience God moving. And when the persecution comes, I think greater miracles are happening. When the biblical pandemic hits, more amazing things will occur. It will be a time of testing, but your faith will grow. Your faith will get stronger if you're a doer of the word and not a hearer only. That's what you and I need to understand. And see, here's what I want you to think about. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it ever entered into your imagination all that God has prepared for those who love him. If you love him, he'll be your Lord. If you love him, you'll want to be like him. If you love him, you'll be his disciple. And God, God has prepared amazing things for you, uh, awesome things for you. I, I love to, to illustrate it this way, uh, is that when I had my sons and they were living at home and just children, man, I always wanted to take care of them. But today I have grandchildren. I have five amazing grandchildren. And whenever they're going to come to our house, do you know what we do? We prepare an amazing time for them. We prepare amazing things to do. We buy them gifts. When they walk in, it's Christmas in, in our home, no matter whether it's July or not. Why? Because we love them so much. We're always preparing incredible things for them. And God does that for you. God is preparing amazing things for you beyond description, beyond imagination. Do you want them? Do you want them? But you got to be those who love him and have him as Lord of your life and have Jesus as the one you want to be like. And that's what the Bible tells us. And so we need to live that out, which brings us now to a deeper understanding of what Jesus is about to say. So the apostles went to Jesus and said, increase our faith, increase our faith. And Jesus said, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you'll say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea. But then he goes on to say this. He said, you want ever increasing faith? He said, which of you having a slave plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come immediately and sit down to eat. But will he not say to him, Prepare something for me to eat and properly clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink. And afterward, you may eat and drink. He does not thank the slave because he did the things which he was commanded, does he? So you too, here's the key, get ready. So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded you, say we are unworthy slaves and we have done only which that which we have should have done. Now, here's the key, what Jesus is saying. If you want to have ever-increasing faith, real faith that makes a difference, that uproots mulberry trees, that moves mountains, that opens you up to the great and mighty thing, that allows all the wonderful things God prepared for you to come in your life, he said, then do whatever I tell you to do. Do whatever I tell you to do. When you hear the word, act on it, and no matter what happens, what times of testing come, what challenges you face, you'll weather the storm and overcome. But even more than that, you will experience the Lord uprooting mulberry trees, moving mountains, doing great and mighty things in your life, showing you things that are beyond you, if you do all that he commands you to do. If you do all he commands you to do, which brings us uh, to what I want you to not forget. This becomes the most important part of our teaching. It's called the Asa Shema. 
Asashima, it's two Hebrew words. And that's what Jesus was referring to when he told the, the, the person, he said, if you want ever-increasing faith, you guys, you've got to be the slave who do, does whatever I tell you to do, and your faith will grow. And then he begins to illustrate the Asashima. And the Asashima is found in Exodus 24-7. And that's why we're calling this series 24-7. It's because it's based on Exodus 24-7. And it's about being a, a Christian in a very committed way, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Not half-hearted, completely committed. And what happened is the people of Israel had been gathered together to, to be given the great, the great law of God. Moses had gone up onto the mountain to meet with God, and God had said, I'm going to now reveal myself to them. And God comes bringing his power and his presence and his word. And in Exodus 24, 7, the people say these words. They say this, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. Now, I want to explain this to you, so lean in here. The word do is the Hebrew word asah. The word asah means to do it with all your might, to do it with everything you have, to do it with every ounce of energy within you, not halfway, not half-hearted, not a half-done job. It means to be completely in, completely committed. And the people said these words, all that the Lord has told us, all, not some, all that he's told us, we will do it with all our might. And then the word obedient, is this part gets a little complicated, but don't miss it, is a Hebrew word, Shema. When we do it, we will asah, then we will Shema. The word Shema actually means to hear with understanding. It means to understand in a way that you completely understand. So you completely do what he tells you to do with completely complete commitment, then you're going to completely understand what the Bible teaches, what the promises are, how to live this life that is above and beyond anything you can imagine. But it's only in doing will you understand. And so the word Shema actually uh, 785 times is translated to hear in the Bible or to hear with understanding. In this one case, they're translating it to be obedient, which actually the word does mean to take heed and understand. So it's not completely wrong. But the real meaning of the word is to understand completely. So in doing, we understand completely. In doing, we get, we get to a place where our faith is strong, our faith is real, our faith is vibrant, and it's ever-increasing. And we see mountains move. We see mulberry trees uprooted. We see the demons flee. We experience the great and mighty things of God. And all of that is for you. And when the persecution hits, that's what will be enough. That's all that will matter. Money won't matter. The house you live in won't matter. Uh, the car you drive won't matter. The job you have probably won't exist. But you'll say, wow, it's enough. It's enough. It's enough that I love Jesus. It's enough that I, I want to be like him. And that will carry you through and that will keep you strong. So let me ask you a question right now. When the persecution hits, will you remain faithful? When the biblical pandemic comes that, by the way, will be far, far more deadly than the one we're in right now. 
Will you stay strong? And the answer is this. Jesus said, he was faithful and little is faithful and much. And so if you're committed to doing everything he tells you to do, the little things, you'll be faithful in the big things. And right now, some of you need to commit to that. There's some of you right now, if you got really honest, you're not completely sold out for the Lord. You're not completely committed. You're not completely in. There are areas of your life you've, you've actually said to the Lord, keep your hands off. Uh, for a lot of people, let me get honest, it's, it's your money. Uh, you're not ready to be completely committed in the area of finances. And I want to say, are you ready to change that? Are you ready to say to the Lord, I'm in completely? Some of you, it's your time. You're, you're not committed to making Jesus a priority with your time and consistently being in his word. Your heart, for some reason, is holding out and holding back, and you're the one missing out. You're missing out on his love that could be so much more powerfully effective in your life. You're missing out on the great and mighty things he wants to tell you and show you. You're missing out on a growing faith that you're going to need in times of testing, but could open you up to amazing things right now. So I want to ask you a question. Are you completely committed to him? Are you completely committed to him? And if not, I want to invite you to do that. I want to invite you right now to make this a moment of commitment, a time of commitment. No matter when you hear this or where you hear this, it matters. And what I want you to do is this. I want you to let me know that you're going to make the commitment. I want you to let me know you're about to say, this is my time this is my moment. How can you do that? Two ways. First, I want you to text AMEN to 69922. Text AMEN right now, no matter how you need to do it. If you need to shut your phone off and go do that, text that word in. Uh, if you need to uh, go on your computer, do it. But I want you right in this moment to text AMEN. And what you're saying, the word amen means the truth. It means for real. And you're going to be saying, I want to be completely committed to him. So I'm hoping you do that. And when you do, we're going to get back to you. And I'm going to ask you, if you really mean what you're about to do, don't hold back on us. Let us know who you are. And we want to send you a book, a free book that will help you grow in the Lord. We want to pray for you. Uh, you matter to us. We want to share next steps you can take to walk with God. But text amen. And in that moment, we're going to know you mean it. We're going to know that you really, really want to be committed to him. And as you get ready to text amen or you've already done it, pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I want to be completely committed. I want to be 100% yours. So I say yes to you. I say yes to everything you ever ask me to do or will ask me to do. I say yes to committing my life to you. Take me now and make me yours in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, praise God. If you prayed that prayer, praise God. And we could not be more excited for you. But make sure you text in amen so we can interact with you. And if you're part of our Crossroads family, let me tell you what's coming. Uh, next week, I want to show you how you can truly live out all that the Lord tells you to do. Because if you go, wait, the Bible's pretty big. The Bible's pretty thick. How would I actually live all of it? How would I actually make sure I'm doing everything he tells me to do? I'm going to show you a key to making that happen, making it real, and how that's going to grow your faith, deepen your faith, and unlock the doors that will allow the blessings of God to come in your life. So till then, till then, may God bless you, 
May God be with you. May God strengthen you. And may we live faithfully together in his name, in Jesus' name. God bless you and have a great night.